So y'all, as we are walking this journey together today, I am very excited to get to share with you um, that we have a guest speaker today. Um, and in, in that, this guest speaker, if I tried to describe her bio for like even half of it, we would spend to the entire preaching time because it is long and it is amazing. Um, doing work of multicultural ministry, cultural sensitivity work. She is a coach, y'all. She was a basketball coach um, for 25 years and um, a ministry coach, an entrepreneurial coach, starting businesses, starting ministries, starting nonprofits, and helping others do that all for the work of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. And so my friend, D. Stokes, is going to lead us in the Word today, continuing in um, this sermon of Hebrews as we've been walking through this together this summer. So I'm going to invite Dee to come on and... Gonna, yes. Dee, so glad to have you with us. Thank you for pouring into us. Um, Dee has, has preached... Love Chapel Hill before, um, and she is one of my heroes. And had the great privilege of getting to getting to just share some life with her. And so I'm excited for her to share the words with us today. Let me grab this. One. I'll just hand this one up. Okay. But I'm gonna pray first. Is that okay? Holy Spirit, pray your presence continue to move and stir. Already has been in this room this morning. Thank you for my friend, my sister, Dee, as she is opening a word just to speak what you have laid on her heart for us to hear today, to move us forward in our faith, to move us forward in our journey with you, so that your Holy Spirit just continue to rest on her, speak through her to our hearts, directly to our hearts today, we pray. In your mighty and holy name, Jesus, amen. 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 Would you stand with me? I, this song is in my spirit this morning, if that's okay. You didn't give me a time limit, but y'all not going to leave, are you? Just close your eyes and worship. Would you lift your hand? Do something different. Lift your hands, change your posture. Give me a clean heart so I may serve. Earthy, Lord, fix my heart so that I may be used by Thee, for I'm not worthy of all these blessings. Give me a clean. Heart, and I'll follow thee. Give me a clean, if you know it, sing it with me. Heart, so I may serve thee. Lord, fix my heart so that I may be you. By thee, for I'm not worthy 
of all these blessings. Give me a clean heart and I'll follow thee. Father, in Jesus' name, our prayer that you would give us a clean heart so that we can follow you closer, God, so that we would know you better, God, so that you would fill us and refill us by your spirit, God. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Help us to understand your word today. Give us what we need, God, and help us to respond to your word, Holy Spirit. We love you and we bless you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd remain standing for the reading of the word, we're in Hebrews 6. We're following along with um, our theme this summer, I guess. And I want to say thank you to Pastor Justin for the uh, invitation. It's always good to come to love Chapel Hill. And I got to spend two nights in Chapel Hill because we were at district conference this weekend. So I don't come to Chapel Hill much, but I've enjoyed my time so far. So we're reading from Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 8. I think it'll be on the screen. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, Pastor Justin gave me like a whole chapter and said, pick some verses. So (laughs) I hope he wasn't expecting me to preach the whole chapter because I'm not going to. But I chose what I believe are the most difficult verses in the Bible. Help me, Lord. Somebody say, help her, Lord. <laughs> the reading of the word of the Lord. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Just to give you a little background, Hebrews, you probably already know this because you've been studying Hebrews, but Hebrews was written to exhort or to encourage believers to discourage. So that's what we want to do today. For a subject this morning, I have for you, all in or nah? It's a question. All in or nah? These uh, saints were to persevere. They were being encouraged to persevere, knowing God is faithful. We need the same thing today. Uh, Same now as then, Hebrews speaks to us as people who seem far removed from the kingdom of God. Hebrews gives a history of Israel, their wilderness, their, the sanctuary, the worship images. And the author portrays Jesus in terms of Old Testament imagery. The themes in Hebrews are atonement, confession, new covenant, 
perfection, priesthood, promises, sacrifice, wandering, the word of God, perseverance, the humanity and ability of Christ, the supremacy and superiority of Christ, etc. There are six foundational truths or doctrines in Hebrews, repentance, faith, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and baptisms. And there are five warnings in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 is the danger of drifting. Chapters 3 two through 4 are the danger of not resting and disbelieving. Chapter 5, 11 through 620, where we are, is the danger of not maturing and falling away. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31, the danger of willful sin. And Hebrews 12, 25 through 29, the danger of denial. So in this text, uh, the longer text, 5.11 through 6.18, so we're in the third warning. Here are some highlights in the larger text. We need to be careful of being immature and then of falling away. In Hebrews 5.11, it tells us to not be poor listeners. At the end, in 6.12, it tells us it has a warning of not to be sluggish. All warning passages are negative actions to God's word, one author says. Readers were lazy in their spiritual growth, mentally and spiritually dull. Deadness to the word makes us lazy Christians. We are called to radical obedience, but how can we obey if we don't know the word? Every Christian is capable of instructing others and should pass on what we know before we lose it. We need to grow or die. We never ever stay the same. Milk is for babies, solid food is for adults. How can we become mature Christians? We need to gain knowledge and then we need to use the information to make good decisions in coordination with God's will. Verses 13 and 14 the, talk about the word of righteousness. It's solid food that leads to right behavior. Solid food is instruction about Jesus. And as a sidebar, we need to preach Jesus and get back to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus must be the Lord of our lives and we must live our lives daily as him as Lord. He needs to be the Lord of our finances. He needs to be the Lord of our relationships, over our marriages. He needs to be the Lord over everything. And when we get to Jesus being the Lord of our lives, I believe things will change. Things will change over this city. Things will change over this university. Things will change over this country if we get back to the Lordship of Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen. We must put into practice what we know. Four marks of being spiritually uh, immature in this passage. And one is careless listening to the word. Another is the inability to teach the word. Another is sticking with elementary truths. And lastly, the lack of skill in applying the word. The remedy for the first part of this warning in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 is that we must press on. We must persevere and we must know the foundational teaching about Jesus, then move on to more pressing matters. What's the foundational teaching about Jesus? Well, repentance from dead works, faith in God, 
baptisms or washings and laying on of hands. It's right here in the scripture. Resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. And understand these things thoroughly, then move on to the next level of understanding. We must understand these things. As an exegesis to the text that I read, actually to verse four through six, I'm actually using a person who's a Calvinist. <laughs> now, a Calvinist, for you all, <laughs> we are Wesleyans, so we are Arminian, right? And so the, the thing that I disagree with him, I'll say this from the beginning, is he believes this passage was written to unbelievers. But I believe it's written to believers and that we should pay attention to it. His exegesis, I believe, is correct. I think his audience is wrong. That makes sense. Right? So Hebrews, like I just shared with you, was written to believers, to exhort believers. So this is to us believers, those of us who are believers. So, so, so Owen, John Owen, he's this famous British theologian, right? And he believed that the apostates in this passage were not true believers, right? And of course, this has been debated, and I just told you what I believe. So I believe they're believers, um, but if they were not, the warning should still be taken seriously, right? I believe they're believers because the, of the purpose of Hebrews, because it fits into the context of Hebrews, and that it is evident in all of Hebrews, so these apostates had been, follow along, if you will, in, in your Bible, if you've got one open. These apostates had been blessed with five benefits. Verse 4 tells us they were once enlightened. And according to Owen, this was an inward operation of the Spirit. This meant to be instructed in the doctrine of the gospel so as to have a spiritual apprehension thereof. He, I quote him. So they were once enlightened. You see that in the text? Then in verse 4, it says they had tasted a heavenly gift. Thank you so much. Tasted of the heavenly gift. The heavenly gift is what? The Holy Spirit. They had experienced Holy Spirit. According to Owen, this tasting, uh, he thought it did not signify conversion. But man, I'm going to tell you what, once I tasted the Holy Spirit, absolutely I was converted. Absolutely God spoke into my life. Absolutely the Holy Spirit changed me and turned me around from my wicked ways. The, they may taste of the word and its truth, but not its power, Owen says, of the worship of the church. And that's true. Maybe you have tasted the Holy Spirit, but maybe you have not given in to all that the Holy Spirit can do for you. And that's a warning. That's a problem. The apostates were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Verse four says all five benefits are effects of the spirit, right? And Owen argues that there are two ways that the Holy Spirit may be participated in personal in, uh, inhabitation and spiritual operations. The latter is the intended meaning here. Many are partakers of him in his spiritual gifts who have, are not partakers of him in his saving graces, he says. Where many did mighty works in Jesus' name, but never knew him, Matthew 7 tells us. The apostates tasted the good word of God. This is the good word of God preached and declared and able to attract the minds of men who yet never arrive at sincere obedience into, unto it. 
They tasted the powers of the age to come. These are the mighty, great, miraculous operations which fail to save. Again, a reference would be Matthew 7. So this falling away that these people have, uh, uh, have had in this text. So there's no particular that we could fall into occasionally that could lead, that could, would lead, would not lead to repentance. No particular sin. This falling away is a course of sinning that is intentional. Now, I believe we sin. The reason I believe this is because I believe we sin every day. I believe we do something stupid to whether it's uh, on purpose or not to move away from God, right? We sin, I believe, every day. But this intentional sinning, this intentional treating people wrong, this intentional whatever you want to say, right? Intentional sin is what we're talking about here. And so one example here is Christ's forgiveness and restoration after his denial, right? Peter denied Christ, but he was restored. Amen. Praise God. Maybe we've denied Christ times and maybe we asked for forgiveness and were restored. This falling away is a deliberate act, making a choice not to participate in the gift of the spirit. Again, willfully plunging yourself into condemnation. It is impossible for these apostates to be restored, the text says because they are rejecting the only means provided for salvation. When you reject God and you fall away, that's the means. There's no other way. <laughs> There's no other way where men might be saved than through Jesus. Jesus is the way to the Father. There's no other way. Not Buddha. No other way. No other way but through Jesus. Verse six reads that it is impossible for them to be restored to repentance, to, not after, not before, to repentance at all, since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. We know that Jesus' sacrifice once and for all, there will be no other sacrifice. There is no other sacrifice needed for us to, to cleanse us from our sins. There'll be no other sacrifice. Those folks had lost the gift of repentance. Wow. To lose, think of it now, <laughs> the gift of repentance, to never be able to get that. Verse 7 and 8 deals with the fruit we bear. What does our fruit look like? Worthless means disapproved. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the fruit that we should bear. And these folks were not bearing fruit. So here's some warnings to back this up. Some, some cross-references to Hebrews 6.4. 1 John 5.16 tells us, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. 
Matthew 7, 21 through 22, Jesus is speaking, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty, many mighty works in your name? Matthew 12, 31 through 32 tells us, Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Second Peter tells us in 2.20-21, 2, 2, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Hebrews 10, 26 through 27 tells us if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Did you know that you can have spiritual gifts, have an initial belief in God, but not, but still not be saved. <laughs> there are people who practice gifts. You see it in the Bible. You see witchcraft. You see all kinds of things in the Bible that uh, the people could do. But to combat this apostasy in this world and in our lives, we first must acknowledge it. This passage of Scripture is not a scare tactic but we must acknowledge that it exists. We must proclaim, number two, God's severity. God is just, and he will turn his wrath against sin. He did it at Calvary. Number three, we must be obedient. Disobedience is dangerous. Number four, having no fruit, but you, can, you profess faith in Christ, that is dangerous as well. Number five, we should practice frequent repentance. Every day we probably should repent. Number six, we do not worry, we should not worry excessively about this warning, but do take heed to it and respond to God. Later in Hebrews, it tells us to be God conscious. So I asked you a question to begin, all in or not? What's your story? Are you in the grand scheme of things? Are you all in? Are you think? Are you thinking of turning away? Have you already turned away? Do you have friends and family who have? What will you do today? I want you to think about that. What do your friends know about you? I always like to say, you talk about your girlfriend or your boyfriend. And you get on your friend's nerve, best friend's nerve, because you talk about how much you love them. You should get on people's nerves talking about how much you love Jesus. Are you all in? Or do you have some doubts this morning? Do you have doubts if you're in school when you're walking down campus? Do you have doubts when you go to work? Do you have doubts when you wake up in the morning? Do you have doubts in your relationship? Are you all in? Because being all in means that you have to give up your friends, some of your friends, maybe not all of them, 
being all in, it doesn't even have any church. But come and save you. Only Jesus can. So are you all in? Here in a, here in a moment, we're going to have communion. Don't move too fast yet, but we're going to have communion. And we have open communion in the Wesleyan Church. But I think it's really dangerous to take communion if we have some unforgiveness in our hearts. If we are not all in claiming to be Christ followers, but we're really not. I think it's dangerous to take communion. So I want to imagine for a moment, I want us to repent for a moment and think about all the things that we need to repent from before we engage in anything today. Ask yourself the question. Close your eyes for a moment. Ask yourself the question. I all in. Why do I come to church? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I care? Am I all in? What is the Lord speaking to you? What is He speaking to your heart? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you tell people about the gospel? Do you tell people about your relationship with God? Are you all in? If you die tonight, it will heaven be your home. Are you all in? Because being all in means that when you walk in a room, people know who you are. People see your fruit. People see your love, your joy, your peace, your goodness, your gentleness, your kindness, your, your self-control. People see it. And people are attracted to you because of the God in you. So before we partake in communion, Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us. Lord, redeem us. Lord, help us to mend our relationships, first with you and then with others. Lord, help us. Ask him now what you will. Speak to your God. Don't move too quickly in this moment because God wants to do something in your heart. Are you all in? Are you all in?
Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We don't want to be like those apostates in Hebrews 6. We don't want to be like them. We want to know you. We want to know your word. We want to do your word. We want to be all in. Forgive us of our sins today, God. Make us whole. Make us holy. Like you are holy. And help us to understand who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up. You can play if you're ready. If you're ready. If you're not. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. Take, eat all of this. This is my body that was bruised for you. He took 39 stripes for our healing. Receive his healing today when you receive his body. That same night, he took the cup. This is my blood, my blood of the new covenant for remission of sin. Drink all of it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And when I like to do communion, I want you to remember what Jesus did, what he's doing, and think about what he's going to do. It's a continuum because Jesus knows everything from eternity <laughs> that will manifest today. He lives in eternity. We live in time. So Jesus knows. He's seen everything that we're going to do for eternity. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. And now, Lord, as we partake of your body and your blood, we receive healing and forgiveness. In Jesus' name. We love you and we bless you. May come.